Georgia's DBHDD reminds people that the Good Samaritan Law can save lives during alcohol and drug overdoses. People are urged to call 911 and stay until help arrives. More information at opioidresponse.info. Well, we're coming to the end of yet another week of uh, working from remote locations for Political Rewind. This is week number six for us. And, of course, I know many, many of you out there are working from home as well. Uh, Is this getting to be the new normal? I don't know. It's beginning to feel like it is. We've got a terrific show lined up for you today. Before I uh, introduce everybody, a couple quick notes. Number one, we got great response from many of you out there who really enjoyed listening to uh, Drs. Mark Rosenberg and Dr. Joshua White's yesterday talk about how this coronavirus behaves, what we need to make of the data sets we're getting from the state in terms of whether the virus is still uh, on the march, whether it's diminishing in some ways. Uh, It was a really kind of a deep look at all of this, and I appreciate the fact that so many of you I thought you got new information. I know I certainly did. Excuse me. I always want to hear from you. Uh, You can join our conversation by tweeting us at politicsgpb. You can email me at bnigut, B-N-I-G-U-T, at gpb.org. You can also uh, watch us. Well, you can really listen to us now on Facebook Live and post your comments uh, in real time as the show unfolds. Lots of ways that uh, we like hearing from you. You. All right, that said, let's get to today's lineup. First of all, it's uh, Friday. Jim Galloway, the lead political writer for the Atlanta Journal Constitution, is with us. Uh, you uh, read Jim in the Wednesday and Sunday papers, and he oversees the Political Insider blog at AJC.com. Jim Galloway, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great today. I'm happy to see the week's end. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I love the emphasis on today because let's face it we are all going through good days and not so good days as this unfolds yeah yeah and 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 you try try covering two two senate races a presidential contest and what five or six <laughs> primaries from 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 a from a bedroom in kennesaw yeah it's hey b- before we uh yeah, I'm sure it is. Before we introduce everybody, there's one piece of political news that you just shared with me that I think uh, we won't get into it any any depth right now. But tell us what you just learned about advanced uh, requests for absentee ballots. Yeah, yeah. This comes from Ryan Anderson, who who, who has that website Georgia Votes, which tallies all the uh, all this voter data, and he he is saying that that nearly seven hundred and sixty thousand requests for absentee ballots haven't been mailed into to the state and local election offices. That's a, a 2,998% increase over 2016. And, uh, 760,000 ballots. Yeah, and, and, and only uh, 800, almost 890,000 uh, votes were cast in that 2016 election. So, so you're talking about uh, almost seven-eighths. Uh, of of the electorate is already showing up. I have not seen that yet. Has he broken it down by a par- request for party ballots? Well, no, we, no, and that's this is the problem because because you don't get that number until the vote the, until the ballots are returned to to the the voters, and the processing has been very very slow. You've got all these local election offices that are overwhelmed uh, in Fulton County in particular. They've had one uh, one election worker die of COVID nineteen, another uh, hospitalized. So it's it's getting getting ballots out to people in time uh, for a June nine primary is going to be tough. Okay, but to be clear, and then we're going to move on. Uh, when you when you request an absentee ballot, you do have to make a request for one party or the other, or ask for an independent ballot. You're just telling us that that data doesn't become available until it's processed by the individual. Right, exactly. Just yeah, want to make right. sure mm-hmm. our listeners get that. All right, let's get on with uh, our conversation today. I'm really thrilled about it. We're going to take a tour of the state of Georgia today with uh, mayors from three important communities in our state. Um, we're going to talk with uh, Albany Mayor Bo Duro, who has done the show in the past. I introduce you first, uh, Mayor Duro, in large part because the state has been 
so concerned about how the problems with COVID-19, the, the, um, the hotspot that your city and the county, the county around you and a couple of the counties beyond have had with COVID-19. And we're very pleased to have you back today and uh, look forward in a few minutes to having you report on how things are going down there. But in the meantime, welcome, Mayor Duro. Good morning, panel. And Bill, thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Uh, Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis joins us today. We're really thrilled to have you, Mayor Davis. Um, tell us uh, uh, how you're doing just personally out there. Thanks, Bill. It's good to be back. Uh, it's been a long time. Uh, we're doing fine over in Augusta, uh, all things considered. When you look at the fact that uh, we're, we're testing uh, and our confirmed cases continue to go up just like uh, in other communities across the state of Georgia, uh, we're reminding folks that we are going to continue to follow uh, the governor's orders, uh, but we want to make sure that we keep people safe. So uh, we're, we're, we're doing everything we can to stay at home when necessary, shelter in place, and save lives. Uh, this is going to be a long haul here. Yeah, I think we all realize that more than ever. Uh, Rusty Paul, the mayor of Sandy Springs, former chairman of the Georgia Republican Party and a longtime panelist on Political Rewind. Uh, we're glad to have you back, Mayor Paul. Well, Bill, it's great to be back. I'm in familiar territory. I'm in my basement because we haven't re reopened City Hall yet because we've had some uh, uh, virus <laughs> issues there. So I'm in my basement where I spent 14 days in quarantine, just got back out. So I'm very comfortable here. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I'd forgotten that you were in a position where you had to quarantine because of concerns about the virus making an appearance at City Hall. How did that go for you? Uh, it was great for me, but my wife and uh, the rest of the family wasn't very pleased about it. I mean, she would kind of, we have three floors, and she would take my food and lay it at the door and let me know it was there and then disappear, and I'd go get it. And then I, uh, they brought oh. a refrigerator, a microwave, and then I was on my own. So we did socially uh, well, distance I shouldn't have laughed at my at house. All right. Let's let's uh, talk about how all your cities are doing. And of course, uh, Mayor Duro, we need to start in Albany. Tell us uh, where you stand now with the effort to slow the spread of the virus, uh, how Phoebe Putney's uh, medical system is doing in terms of available beds, in terms of medical staff, in terms of protective gear. Just give us a, a brief look at what's happening in Albany, Doherty, and surrounding area right now. Well, Bill, the good news here is the number of new cases is decreasing pretty well consistently. It appears that between about March 29th and April 3rd was when we had our peak here in Albany, and that's, of course, it hit us here first, and maybe that's uh, um, one thing to be thankful for. For the first time in several weeks, we have a few open beds um, in the hospital. That's another positive development, but to keep these trends going forward, we're going to have to continue to um, exercise the precautions that have been in place statewide, but actually were in place here in Darty County about two weeks before Governor Kemp issued the executive order on April 2nd. We're um, encouraged um, by these developments, but um, also in an article that was published in the New York Times this morning, Albany, Georgia, has our metropolitan area has the highest number of confirmed deaths per capita in the country. Yeah, we're, we're, we, we are so sorry about what your community is experiencing. I saw that article, too, and my heart went out to you and the people of Albany and, and Doherty County. I did notice this morning that uh, you had your restaurant owners met with city uh, and health officials uh, yesterday, I guess it was, to discuss where things stand with the community. Of course, the governor's order would allow restaurants to begin opening on Monday with, with very specific uh, restrictions in how they would do their business. But it appears that many of your restaurateurs have said that you've decide, they've decided to give the community more time to flatten the curve and take time to prepare for dine-in uh, uh, meals. And so it doesn't look like, uh, out at, down in Albany at least, you're going to get restaurants opening on Monday. Well, there will be a handful of restaurants who are opening, and, and um, they're, they're struggling. I understand that, Bill, but I was very impressed with the um, expressions of support 
from the restaurateurs yesterday, and quite simply, there were two reasons. They, the consensus was we're not going to reopen until some medical professionals tell us we can do so without jeopardizing the health of our employees and customers. But secondly, they had not yet received um, the specifics of the, um, from the state, which came out last night sometime after the close of business. Let's go over to Augusta. And Jim Galloway, please uh, jump in here as we go along. Um, Mayor Davis, I'm not quite sure where the virus stands, how many cases you have right now, how your medical uh, uh, facilities are dealing with it right now. I do know in terms of uh, the governor's order, uh, I've read that many of the congregations, the denominations in Augusta, have chosen to stay closed for the time being because, again, a concern that in-person worship would uh, uh, create some real problems. So, so talk to us in general about the status of Augusta in regard to COVID-19. Thanks, Bill. Uh, again, uh, we in Richmond County continue to see our confirmed cases go up. As of last night, uh, our last count was 335 confirmed positive cases and 14 deaths. And as we see that, we know that we're still not out of the woods yet, and we're going to continue to uh, put those practices in place in Augusta uh, around social distancing, uh, even with the uh, phased reopening of businesses starting today. Uh, what I'm hearing from folks both in the faith community, who, as I understand it, uh, there's a uh, planned press conference to once again reiterate that houses of worship uh, in the faith community are going to continue to conduct services online. And also, there will be some probably drive-up services. But for the most part, what I'm hearing, particularly in regards to the faith community, is that out of an abundance of caution, uh, especially around early on, the governor indicated that much of the early outbreaks were predicated around uh, funerals and or places of worship where you congregate in large numbers. And so folks are going to continue to keep doing what they've been doing, and that is live streaming, maybe some parking uh, lot worship services, but for the most part, keeping people out of the congregations. I've heard some folks talk about not going back into the congregation for in-person worship until probably the end of May. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case long-term, but that's where we are. Uh, we're fortunate that uh, the governor in his most recent executive order talked about Augusta University from a testing perspective. And so we see uh, testing going up. Obviously, the big challenge across the entire state of Georgia is that we're not able to do sufficient enough testing. And with that challenge, you can have asymptomatic individuals who are in close proximity carrying the virus and you not know it. And I think that's where it's so important for us to continue to do the things, as Mayor Doro indicated. We had already put some things in place before uh, the governor's shelter-in-place order uh, around businesses and closing some things just so that we could begin to get our hands around it. And so... We'll still maintain some of that, especially with regards to senior centers, uh, libraries, uh, and, of course, large gatherings from a public standpoint. We're going to continue to keep those uh, at bay for the time being. But we're, we're making progress. Uh, I don't believe that we've reached our peak in talking with our hospital CEOs and the folks from the healthcare community. I don't think we've reached our peak in Augusta at this point. I, Jim, Mayor. jump in. Yeah, yeah, uh, Mayor and and Mayor Hardy and 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 uh, you others can can jump in on this as as well. Uh, the 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 orders that uh, that Governor Kemp issued on Monday take effect today. Uh, uh, small businesses like like uh, uh, barbershops, hair hair salons, uh, tattoo parlors, uh, and the and the like are 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 free to open if they observe. Uh, some uh, some some uh, some of the guidelines, and all those guidelines are all predicated on access to personal protective equipment, masks, uh, face shields, and, and such. Uh, I, I'm assuming at this point your healthcare facilities have access to that kind of equipment, but but do do you, do you, do small businesses have can they get hold of masks in the numbers that they need can they get hold of uh, gloves in the numbers that they need uh, Jim that's a great question I think there is concern about that um, again I don't want to overstate this uh, we know that uh, as we look across the state of Georgia and in communities like ours uh, we are maintaining 
uh, our supply of PPE, uh, and that's from a government perspective. Uh, we have masks, we have gloves, and obviously from a first responder perspective, those are things that you need in place. Uh, I don't know if those things exist in large numbers uh, in, in the private sector, particularly with regards to going to the Lowe's, the Home Depots of the world, but I hope so. I think that's probably one of the big challenges that if we're going to have a soft opening uh, out of an abundance of caution, people need time to prepare and put those things in place. Uh, we certainly want to be helpful from a local government standpoint, but you're going to need those masks. You're going to need hand sanitizer, and we know that that stuff flew off the shelves. I know hospitals are challenged with PPE. Uh, in Augusta, you've got some local entities that are using 3D printing to develop face shields. They're also developing swabs now. Uh, but all of those things are uh, where we find ourselves uh, challenged right now, particularly in terms of the business community and their access to those things. So it still gives me pause. Uh, I'm yet hopeful and prayerful that we're going to be able to make our way through this over the next couple of days and folks can stand their businesses back up in light of the governor's order. Rusty, Mayor Paul, jump in here and give us a status report uh, on on your community. I do. I have read that North Fulton County businesses seem to be reluctant to uh, 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 open their doors wide at this point. People are taking a wait-and-see attitude, but you can tell me about that yourself. Well, I uh, uh, right after the governor made his announcement uh, about the opening of gyms, I've got a happy talk uh, email from my gym facility talking about how they were going to open up and all the plans and processes. And then last night, I got a much less happy talk saying, we think we rethought this and we'll probably wait a little bit before we open. Stay tuned. I don't see a real rush to a lot of business owners to go back in yet. I mean, it doesn't, I hate to say this as a, as a politician and a community leader, but it doesn't matter what the president says, it doesn't matter what the governor says, it doesn't matter what the three of us say, nobody's going back out and, and participate in the economy until they have a level of confidence that they can do so safely. And that hasn't happened yet. Uh, when the medical community tells them that, okay, it's safe to go, then I think that's when the economy will, will open uh, and it's not going to happen because I or you or anybody else says, okay, you can go into business. The businesses are going to be driven by when their customers show up, and they're not coming yet. You know, Jim, I, I, I th- we've, we've said on this show this week, even as we've reported back on the criticism that uh, Governor Kemp has gotten from an awful lot of uh, various fronts uh, for his decision to reopen, we have said on the show we sympathize with state leaders and certainly these mayors in terms of what's happening to their economies and to the to the people who live in their communities in terms of not being able to make a living. And, and we do sympathize and understand that they are in very difficult positions in terms of trying to look at the health and safety of their people and also worry about the long-term economic impact. But Jim, you know, one of the things that's caused confusion, and I'm going to play it and then let you start uh, uh, a conversation about this, is once again last night, President Trump, having apparently two days ago had had a uh, having had a phone conversation with Governor Kemp, in which he signed off on the governor's effort to reopen things this week, uh, for a second evening in a row at his briefing went after Governor Kemp. Let's listen. I want the states to open more than he does, much more than he does, but I didn't like to see spas. At this early stage, nor did the doctors. Is that a correct statement, Deborah? I didn't like to see spas opening, frankly. I didn't like to see a lot of things happening, and I wasn't happy with it. And I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. I wasn't at all happy because, and I could have done something about it if I wanted to, but I'm saying let the governors do it. But I wasn't happy with Brian Kemp. Spas, beauty parlors, tattoo parlors, I know. The reason I mention uh, uh, play that now, Jim, is, and I want to get to the mayor's response, but you can jump in, is the messaging seems so confusing. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to make of what I'm supposed to do next. Uh, no, and, abs- and that's absolutely. part of this, this real problem that all three of these gentlemen have. 
Right, right. And, and and look, this is this is the problem. You're getting a muddled message specifically out of the White House. I mean, we've got reporting this morning uh, from from the Associated Press that said that uh, and, and this is coming out of the White House saying that 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 Vice President Mike Pence and President Donald Trump had both had had given uh, the green light to, to, to Governor Kemp over 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 multiple days and and only when that u turn u turn occurred on on wednesday uh, uh you know it, it, you, ha- you have a governor who essentially was was sandbagged but i think what's has what has what has really caused a concern in the white house among the public health officials is is and 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 trump alluded to it was the intimacy of the businesses that 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 brian kemp was targeting that you know, he the these. If if you're talking in terms of of the of a pandemic, maybe it would have been better to go to allow uh, 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 businesses that might be considered more safe, that that could have that could have insulated customers from the the the, the virus more efficiently and 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 easily. Maybe that would have been the better route to go than this first tier. I I understand what Kemp was trying to do. He was trying to to help uh, business people who were seeing their their livelihoods go up in smoke. Uh, Mayor Duro, I want to turn to you on this because you pinpointed something that I suspect all three of you might share right now, and I'd love to get everybody to weigh in. But Mayor Duro, you said uh, after this order came out, and I'm quoting you now, of greatest concern to me is the governor's direction that no local government may impose any restrictions which are more strict or less strict than the statewide mandate. Um, So do you... Do you feel as this you're being hamstrung now in terms of anything you might want to add to as the uh, as the uh, community reopens a bit? Yes, Bill. I mean, I I understand um, the predicament the governor's in, and we can talk about that in a minute. I mean, our pension fund we're hearing now it could lose as much value as it lost in in 2008, um, and there are financial concerns for everybody, but the fact is, Albany and Darty County remains a hot spot. And the governor, having delayed statewide action under the theory that local governments are best equipped to address the situations in their localities, has now prevented us from taking these measures. But um, I, I, I just don't think that that's fair. It's certainly not in, in certainly not consistent. But the truth of the matter is, here in Albany and Darty County, people are concerned about their safety. And I can give you some numbers. We can talk about them later in some of these other counties. Um, well, let me say Muskogee, 256 positive, four deaths. Bibb County, 234 positives, five deaths. Chatham, 199 positive, six deaths. Those communities aren't facing um, death and illness as we are in Darty County. So our citizens, like I said, the restaurants aren't going to open up. Most churches aren't going to have services. But um, I do think we should have been allowed to have the authority to enforce restrictions that even when the governor started to reopen the state economy. Mayor Paul, um, you were, you I think were on CNN the other night and uh, said you were basically supportive of the governor's decision um does that include feeling that it's okay that he has the right to to tell local communities like yours you can't impose more restrictions well what i said on cnn was that uh, i understood the dilemma that the governor uh, is facing and for the first time in 40 years i'm glad i'm not the governor uh because this is this is very difficult and he and i think maybe the governor could have consulted with uh Another Georgian uh, former congressman, Tom Price, about dealing with the president and the and the challenges uh, of getting consistent messages. But uh, our position in Sandy Springs is one: we are going to implement the the governor's uh, order with caution, with a fo- with a priority on safety and and public health. 
and uh, we are not going to hesitate if we find businesses that are not complying with the social distancing, the sanitation, and all the other requirements that are in that order that we will have no hesitancy about shutting them down. I think the governor's order gives us that capability. Uh, I've seen nothing to the contrary. Uh, so uh, we're going to take um, a measured approach, and, and as I said, priority one is going to be health and safety. And if these businesses that do open don't comply with the requirements, then they're not going to be open very long. Mayor Davis, uh you have certainly, I assume, seen Michael Thurman, CEO over in DeKalb County, uh, respond to uh, uh, what the governor said about local uh, cities not being able to add their own restrictions. He said, well, I may not be able to order anything, but I essentially can advise further. I can advise how people ought to be looking at behaving. They ought to wear masks everywhere they go. They ought to take various sanitary measures. Uh, he's essentially circumventing what the governor has demanded here, uh, but uh, uh, doing it pretty clearly as a message that it's time for people to uh, uh, step up and uh, and constrain their behavior, Mayor Davis. Well, I, I, I too share that concern. I think Mayor DeRose uh, just said it best that early on, uh, the governor yielded to the local communities because we know our communities best. We're on the ground. Uh, we have the temperature of our cities, and to find ourselves at this place now to be effectively hamstrung from, again, working one in concert with the governor as it relates to his executive order, but also, more importantly, knowing our communities, I think does provide somewhat of a you know, challenge for us. Uh, and again, we're going to do everything we can to work in concert with our governor. I think it's important to have uniformity across the state and thus you know, the governor's executive order. Uh, but when you look at border communities like mine, uh, South Carolina is joined to us by the river. Uh, as of last night, we had roughly 800 positive cases across the CSRA, which includes South Carolina. This morning, that number is going to approach more like 900, again, almost 1,000 cases. And that, that right there becomes a real problem for us because the majority of those folks are coming into Augusta, coming into Richmond County. They're shopping. They're doing things. Uh, when you talk about hair salons and stylists and those things, they're coming to Augusta to do all of that. And so it puts uh, additional pressure on us in order to try to manage our community and certainly from a healthcare perspective, being able to manage that, uh, notwithstanding the fact that you've got folks who are being brought here from other communities to get treatment and to get intensive care uh, because of the resources we have from a healthcare perspective. So I see what uh, CEO Thurman has done. Uh, I, I certainly applaud him in his efforts to, uh, one, work in concert with the governor, but more than anything, I think what you saw Mike Thurman do was say to the community, you trust me, uh, these are the things that we're going to do. Uh, we're going to open, but we're going to do it in a very uh, deliberate approach. Uh, we're going to be intentional and thoughtful about that. And I think that's where, you know, I'm hearing from, uh, Rusty and from uh, from 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 Mayor DeRoe as well that we're going to be intentional about this, but that intention is with human life at, in 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 mind. Jim, uh, yeah, yeah. The, 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 just a question to the the mayors as a whole. If if we could start off with with uh, uh, Mayor Paul on this, you know, uh, one thing I've, I've I've and and if you'll allow me to plug my Sunday column, it's already up and it's it's on uh, uh, Keisha Lance Bottoms and Thurman kind of engaging in government by persuasion because they've been cut out of the of of the of uh, of formal formal authority over pandemic measures. But but uh, Mayor Paul, uh, one thing that interests that Michael Thurman is doing is he is he is set up a hotline and he is he is insisting that employees who are called back to work if they find out that their employers aren't following the guidelines they are supposed to report them and that's when he that that's when he will come in and 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 send DeKalb County police to investigate uh is, is that where you're headed I think that's similar to what our approach is going to be. We're still waiting on a little bit of guidance about who is actually in charge of enforcing all of this. You know, are they relying on us at the local level to be the enforcers? I haven't gotten a clear answer on that yet, but I'm sure that guidance will be coming. 
But but in 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 essence, yeah, we don't, we don't have to set up a hotline. All I have to do is check my email because people are, have already been reporting situations where they think that the proper procedures are not being followed. And we've sent code enforcement out to uh, check in, into some of these. The police department's a little reluctant because they know that some of uh, some of the things that we had in our original closing, uh, you know, we were one of the first cities to, to shut things down, uh, they were concerned about, you know, could they be prosecuted in return for, uh, for certain things. But with code enforcement, it, it's real simple because business licenses, when they sign up for business licenses, they say they're going to abide by our ordinances. And uh, so we have a little bit more authority in that area, and, and we can revoke those licenses if they are not following the right procedures, and we'll, we, we intend to. We hope that people will open up and, and follow what the governor has said to do. Uh, but our biggest concern is, isn't what businesses are opening. Our, business, our concern is what businesses will never open again. We've surveyed all of the, a lot of the businesses in our community, and it, it, we have as many as 25% of them say they will never open again. And so uh, our big concern is what's going to be the long-term economic implications, and I know that's what the governor's concerned about, too. And uh, so we all got to work together to try and figure out how to make this work uh, and salvage as much as we can without putting people at unnecessary risk. All right, I need to jump in because we're, uh, we got to get to a break, but I want to pick up on exactly what you just talked about, uh, Rusty Paul, uh, and talk to all of you about the economic impact of this virus on how your uh, cities are going to uh, uh, try to recover in the months ahead. But before we do that, let's take our first break of the show. You're listening to Political Rewind. Thanks for listening to Political Rewind. If you like this show, you'll also like Georgia Today. It's a daily podcast from GPB News, bringing you compelling stories and in-depth reporting that you won't hear anywhere else. Join me, Peter Biello, for this quick and convenient way to get the best of GPB News' extensive coverage of the topics that matter to you, delivered directly to your device every weekday afternoon. I'm joined today, of course, by uh, Jim Galloway of the AJC and also uh, three mayors across Georgia, uh, Augusta Mayor Hardy Davis, Albany Mayor Bo Duro, and Sandy Springs Mayor Rusty Paul. If your mayor is not among this group, and most of them aren't, uh, you should know that in the uh, weeks ahead, we're going to really check in with mayors across Georgia so we can get more uh, focused on uh, each of your or many of your communities across the state. Um Mayor Davis, uh, Rusty Paul talked about uh, the concern that that the governor has, rightfully, about what happens to the economy in the months ahead. Uh, I want to ask you about what kind of hole Augusta is getting itself into because of this, but also add to that that we know that there's a new proposal on the Hill for yet another relief package. Democrats in the House are pushing it hard to send money to states and cities. Right now that package is being held up by Majority Leader McConnell in the Senate, uh, and unfortunately his, his team made a, issued a statement that really created a partisan aura around this by saying he, they don't want to give relief to uh, Democrats who are looking for handout money. Uh, but how important is it going to be for you to get help from the federal government uh, first, the state, and then money for the city itself. Well, it's going to be incredibly important. I think when you look at uh, what we're finding ourselves in this pandemic, it's significant from an economic perspective. Uh, when you look at Augusta, Georgia, uh, every year the whole world shuts down and comes to our city during the first week of April. Uh, that didn't happen. There's an economic impact that's associated with that, and we're 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 certainly hopeful that in November uh, we may have a tournament that didn't take place. But just that economic impact alone as it relates to that is in the millions of dollars in terms of its effect on Augusta. And so from a sales tax perspective, we see uh, declining revenue. When you look at our hospitality and tourism industry, we're seeing a decline in revenue because restaurants are only takeout 
or drive up the uh, service. And so all of those industries are affected. Hotel beds, they are not being used. So there's a substantial economic impact. We've got events that were going to take place in the city uh, that the city would be hosting uh, to the tune of about $3.2 million uh, between February and June, and those things aren't going to happen. And so there's a broad you know, impact from an economic standpoint, notwithstanding the Masters Golf Tournament. What we've seen in Congress, and we've certainly been engaged, I know Rusty has as well uh, through GMA and, and certainly probably Mayor DeRoe as well, uh, we've been engaged in our federal partners about what we want to see in these stimulus packages. Uh, the most recent one that was signed uh, was one where they had a population threshold of 500,000 or more. Uh, in Georgia, there are only four counties that meet that threshold. Uh, across the nation, there are only 37 cities that are 500,000 or more, uh, and Atlanta's not one of them. And so uh, when you look at that and then understand that uh, there's this aversion to sending money directly to the local communities, which is where we meet the needs of people, which is where uh, government is closest to the people, I think we're challenged. And so we're going to continue to work with our federal partners. We hope to see some relief as it relates to that, Jim. Uh, I'm not sure that it's coming because of the now partisan divide around, you know, getting these resources uh, to the people that need it the most, and that's the folks on the ground. Mayor Duro, you referred earlier to your concern being uh, about how many of the, say, restaurants, for example, other businesses are going to reopen at all. What kind of debt are you facing? What what can you can you put some numbers around how badly the city's budget is being hurt by this? Yes. Could I say two things though, Bill, before I answer the question? Sure. First, um, speaking to what's going on in DeKalb County, we passed a resolution this morning unanimously, the city commission did, requesting, imploring citizens to continue to shelter in place and asking businesses not to open until we have met the benchmarks. But secondly, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't uh, acknowledge the invaluable assistance we've received from the, from the governor in the way of equipment, supplies, medical teams, but, um, and, and, I, and I do know the state decision, the governor's caught between the devil and deep blue sea. I'm sure state income tax, corporate income tax, flatlined, and I know from what's happening here in Albany, sales tax collection is um, plummeting. That's one thing. We, we look at the numbers. It, it, it's frightening. Mayor Davis mentioned it. Hotel, motel tax, no revenue whatsoever. Sales tax collection, as I said, plummeting. But on the other side of that, the city of Albany has its own utility, and we have um, made the decision not to disconnect any customers during this period of time. And so our um, bad debt is mounting up rapidly. It's, 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 it's frightening. It, it really is. And then I mentioned earlier, Bill, the issue of um, the city's pension fund. It's... Um, we don't know where that's going to go. Hey, Jim, the majority leader uh, suggested the other day that if states want relief, they ought to file for bankruptcy. That was met by both Republican and Democratic governors with a resounding criticism. Yeah, yeah, it would. Uh, it, uh, one thing it would it it uh, on the Democratic side uh, that's kind of viewed as a, a union busting uh, tactic, given that public employees are now pretty much the the kind of the dominant force. In the in the union market, uh, it's it's also you know Democrats are also kind of pointing to Kentucky. Uh, the Kentucky draws down, uh, I think, the second highest rate per capita of federal dollars of any state in the union. Uh, so it's not exactly uh, it, it's not exactly uh, speaking from uh, the moral high ground. <laughs> okay, hey, Rusty Paul. Uh, in fact, this is for everybody. But let me just start with you, Rusty. Uh, of course. Uh, we are now doing Political Rewind live at 9 in the morning, and the Encore presentation is at 2 in the afternoon. Uh, so some of you will be hearing this this afternoon. But, Rusty, uh, the AJC this morning has just moved a story. It's, the headline is, Lines Start Early for Haircuts as Georgia Begins to Reopen. 
They needed a trim and couldn't wait any longer. For the first time in weeks, some Metro Atlanta hair salons and barbershops reopened Friday, and the line started early. At Peachtree Battle Barbershop in Buckhead, customers waited in line shortly after 7 a.m. At Studio 151 in Dallas, the first appointment was at 6.30 in the morning. This is a uh, report filed by Alexis Stevens of the AJC. Uh, so maybe you should go out and get out there in uh, Sandy Springs, look around to see what the lines are like, Rusty. Well, when I was in college, the biggest disagreement my father and I had was about the frequency <laughs> of my haircut. Uh, and I'm going retro. <laughs> so I hope everybody's following my lead and following my example. You can, I mean, you can see me on Facebook, but nobody else can. And I'm getting a little shaggy. You know, but that's a small price to pay for keeping everybody healthy. Uh, and, and we have to keep in mind that the number one goal here is to maintain the health and safety of our people. And, uh, you know, if, I, if my graying locks get a little bit longer, I'm not going to be that disappointed. But let me also address <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the budgetary impact. We are in our budget process. Our fiscal year starts July 1. And we're in the process of developing the budget, and we're operating on an assumption that our revenues are going to be at least 30% uh, lower than what they have been. And I've told the council that we may have to pass several budgets over the course of the next several months because we're really just guessing what the impact of revenue is going to be. We know it's going to be down. We know it's going to be substantial. And we've just kind of pulled some numbers out of the air saying a third – but it may even be worse. And so, and this is going to happen at governments at all levels. I've seen estimates that the state budget revenue may be down $4 billion. That's, a, that's another 25% uh, in a budget where 85% uh, of the expenditure goes to education and health care. So uh, it's going to be a very challenging budgetary process for governments at all levels because we are tied directly to the economy. We don't get any revenue unless there's an economic transaction somewhere, and the economic transactions have evaporated, and it's going to have a long-term effect on the delivery of services at the local, state, and federal level. Yeah, I think, Mayor Davis, it's becoming clearer and clearer to people. You know, for a while there, I think in March, when – People started, like Rusty Paul in Sandy Springs, started shutting things down a little earlier than other communities. Um, uh, we thought, well, we're going to be sheltering in place for a few weeks. We're going to keep businesses closed. Mayor Davis, it's beginning to appear that we're not getting back to business, certainly until, I mean, when, June, July? Who knows? Yeah, I think that's true. Uh, and again, I think... You know, again, we're all very sensitive to uh, the challenges that our governor faces. Uh, the reality of it is, whether you're at the state or local levels, we're concerned about the same thing, and that's the health, welfare, and safety of all of our citizens. Uh, that requires us, from a service delivery standpoint, to be able to do that, and you've got to have revenue in order for that to happen. And so in this season of declining revenue, or in some instances where you're not going to see businesses come back, what we can do is make sure that we are healthy, we're safe, and at the point in time that over this long haul, as people are getting back into the workforce, uh, we can make sure that government's prepared to be nimble and support businesses uh, and, and moving as many regulations out of the place for people to move as expeditiously and quickly as possible. Uh, we don't have a timeline. I want to remind all of us uh, that are listening in and those of us that are participating that the three T's are tantamount to success for this issue, and that's number one, testing. We're not able to do sufficient enough testing across the state of Georgia right now, or across this nation, in fact. Uh, some, some, some scientists tell us that we should be doing at a minimum five million tests a day. And here in Georgia, we're, we're working towards being able to do 6,000 tests a day. The second piece is contact tracing. All across the state, we have to be able to do that in significant numbers. And then thirdly is the issue of treatment. We don't have a vaccine. Uh, there's no cure for the coronavirus. Uh, at best, you know, we are, we're medicating. We're letting folks' bodies' immune system get stronger over a period of time, and then we're releasing them back out. And so those are challenges that we're going to continue to face at least for the next several months at a minimum. And then, of course, you've got the parallel argument around 
uh, is there going to be a second wave? I think what we can do in Georgia, uh, and I hear my Bulldogs consistently saying this, even though I'm a great I'm a yellow jacket, is to hunker down dogs. Well, this is an opportunity for us to kind of hunker <laughs> down a little bit and say that we're going to continue to practice these uh, things around same safe, social self-distancing, sheltering in place when necessary, washing your hands, uh, keeping hands out of face. And now we're adding that second piece to that, a third piece, and that is put a mask on. If you go out in the general public, put a mask on and do not congregate in groups larger than 10. And so uh, I think Mayor that's Davis, the I, that was, I'm sorry, I got to cut you off because I've got to get to a break. But I know, Mayor Duro, you've got to uh, you've got to move on because you've got pretty busy day. Is there any la- couple of last words from you before uh, you have to leave us and then we'll get to our break? Yeah, Bill, thank you. Um, those numbers I mentioned earlier in Muskogee, Bibb, and Chatham County, I think they're really a testament to the success of the shelter-in-place order that was entered on April 2nd. We don't need to lose sight of that. But um, what I wanted to mention, if you don't mind, the number of cases we have in Sumter, Lee, Mitchell, Early, Terrell, Thomas, Randolph, Worth County, in, in southwest Georgia, we've got well over 100 deaths in these other counties in this region of our state. People need to understand that once this virus, if and when it hits hard, in this report from the New York Times, it says Gainesville is a potentially a new, could be a hot spot. This thing will proliferate and metastasize into surrounding counties. We have to be vigilant. And um, I, I just don't think now's the time to reopen the economy, but please, people, continue to exercise these precautions, protect yourself and um, others. But thank you for having me, Bill, and I appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time. Mayor Duro, thank you so much for uh, being with us. We wish you and the people of your city well in the weeks and months ahead. Let's do this. Let's get our final break of the show out of the way then. Uh, Mayor Davis, Mayor Paul, and Jim Galloway, and I'll be back. Talk a little politics. You're listening to Political Rewind. All right, Galloway, here's a caution for you. Uh, Tom Faust just told me we have like seven minutes left in the show, so we're only going to have so much time to talk about this. But here's my two questions to kick us off. What the heck is happening between Brian Kemp and Donald Trump? And second, what is poor Kelly Leffler to do? Caught between the man who appointed her and the man who supports she so desperately needs yeah, it is. It is. It's. Uh, it has become one of the more interesting soap soap operas in in the country at this point. Here, here's a working theory, and I'd like to hear uh, Mayor Davis and 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 Mayor Paul get uh, kind of sounding. I think. Okay, on on Wednesday, the Wednesday White House briefing, uh, when when Tr- Donald Trump flipped on Brian Kemp. Uh, AP, the CNN, and and a bunch of other news outlets are are pretty, reporting pretty reliable, uh, reliably that that this was a matter of the public health officials uh, getting very very nervous of what's happening in Georgia and persuading Donald Trump to 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 reverse himself. That was Wednesday. Last night was another matter. I think Donald, uh, President Trump has a he he has a penchant for. Even when he, he when he reverses himself, he goes all in, and I think that I think Thursday comment that that was a revival. Thursday's comments that was a revival of the of the Kelly Luffler Doug Collins drama. I think from last year. Uh, well, let's go to Rusty the Republican on this first. Well, she probably felt like she was out for a Sunday morning stroll and walked into a, the OK Corral, and the Earp Brothers just came around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's, an, there's an old adage in politics. It's an old joke, uh, and it may apply in this situation where a, a politician had a very hard dilemma, and he said, some of my friends are for it, some of my friends are against it, and I stand firmly with my friends. And that may be the only answer and option she's got. <laughs> Mayor Davis, uh, there is a part of me that thinks that the president is getting an opportunity here to use uh, Brian Kemp as a target to deflect some potential criticism from his 
uh, talking all the time about opening the economy. Now he has a new uh, person to go after, so it appears that he, in fact, is Mr. Caution. Yeah, I, I think that that's certainly true, Bill, but I think that there's another uh, factor that's at play here, and that is uh, I think the president positioned himself in a way that if things go bad in Georgia, he can walk away from uh, Governor Kemp. Uh, I think that's disappointing uh, to see us at that place, uh, particularly when I think that there's been an aligning uh, from a partisan standpoint uh, in support uh, between the governor of Georgia and our president. Uh, you know, Rusty says that I'm with my friends. Well, if I'm with my friends, I'm with my friends, even in the good and the bad times. And that's certainly not the case in this example here. Uh, when we talk about the Senate race that's likely going to happen, uh, Doug Collins, a friend of mine, has been a friend for a long time. And so this certainly creates an opening for him. Uh, but at the same time, I think that there are other candidates who will have opportunity to lift their voices uh, during all of this uh, back and forth here. Uh, one candidate in particular is uh, Ed Tauver, who's got a unique opportunity. He's got an impeccable record of service. Uh, he's running in that race as well. And he certainly is not getting the press that some of uh, the folks in Atlanta area are. But I would consider him to be a dark horse in this race. Uh, over here in Augusta, an Obama appointee spent eight years as a U.S. attorney for the Southern District of Georgia, and I'd encourage folks to take a good look at him. And then, of course, in that other Senate race over there, you've got uh, former Mayor Teresa Tomlinson, uh, who just got two big endorsements from uh, Martin Luther King III and then, of course, Valerie Jackson, uh, the widow of uh, Maynard Jackson. So uh, there's, some, there's some stuff at play here in terms of candidates and certainly politics in the state of Georgia. Uh, you've got two Senate races that are coming to bear very quickly with the shifting of the elections, and now you've got some opportunities for folks to kind of lift their voices and uh, say, hey, don't forget about us over here. Uh, Teresa Tomlinson and Ed Tarver. Jim. I'd, I'd, like Jim. To I'd like to compliment Mayor Davis on how carefully he slipped those endorsements in. That was that was magical. Yeah, I do too. But 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 Jim, beyond making those endorsements, he he pointed to another factor that we always have to consider in statewide races. He talked about an Ed Tarver and a Teresa Tomlinson, neither of whom at this point is running out of Metro Atlanta. And he points out how difficult it is to gain attention the way that candidates in Metro Atlanta can. And that is an ongoing problem for uh, for those candidates. Right, right. Uh, and, and, and in both cases, the Metro Atlanta candidate, in, in one race, Raphael Warnock, the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist, and the other one, uh, uh, John Ossoff, who, who ran against Karen Handel in 2017, both of them have, have, uh, have, have, have the financial advantage. So, so there's something to be yeah, ha yeah. Uh, there's something to be said f f for for that. It's 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 a it, it's going to see it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. All right, we are completely out of time, Rusty Paul. I was going to give you a chance to make the endorsements you want to, but I'm sorry, we'll have to do that on another show <laughs> because I've got to get out of here. All right. All right. Well, you know I will. You know you're always welcome. And Mayor Davis, you've got to come join us more often for Political Absolutely. Rewind as well. Thank you both for being here today. And Jim Galloway, thank you, too. Uh, I've got to leave my studio here in uh, my house in Decatur, get downstairs and change out some laundry, because uh, that's what I'll be doing the rest of today. <laughs> today, all of you out there, please have a safe weekend Take care of yourselves and come back to us healthy for Monday's Political Rewind. We'll see you all then.